guys, KO here. Welcome to Tumor and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution by United Mission Driven Humans. I'm so excited today. We have an open mic coming at you. I'm welcoming Christopher Pratt on his very first podcast to do an open mic around diversity and inclusion in the IT space. He's a longtime IT enthusiast and now professional for Microsoft. He's an entrepreneur and fellow podcaster with not one, but two podcasts. He shares his journey and the importance of representation and diversity and inclusion along the way, and how he's stepping into that light as a leader in the arena. Enjoy this conversation. Chris, thanks for coming out and sharing your journey and your story. I can't wait to see what you have coming at us next. Be sure to check us out on YouTube and wherever you download your podcast. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm super excited today. If you listen, you know my favorite conversations are connects of connects. And this connection is coming from our resident resident audio engineer, Theon Walls. This is one of his friends and uh, he's involved with this human's podcast as well. So the pod fam is coming together. I love it. I want to welcome Christopher Pratt to the TNT mic. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. How are you? I am doing well. We were just saying it's Thursday here. This will be out next week. It'll be a Wednesday, but we're getting close to Friday. So, you know, we just get like those weekend jitters of looking forward to some sunshine out here in Colorado and, uh, you know, some off time. Yes, absolutely. I'm actually uh, headed down to LA this this weekend and I'm excited to get some sun. I'm in the Seattle area, so it's cloudy and rainy. Okay. All right. Well, you guys are similar to Colorado then. The vibe is very similar. Uh, You might have better coffee and a little bit better of grunge music, I'll say. I don't know if that's the same thing, Uh, but I feel like the the two cities rival each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so for jumping from one place of questionable weather to another, Christopher hails from or graduated from in 2020, um, Penn, oh no, not Penn State. I said I was not going to get this right. And I, no, you got it right. Oh yeah. Penn, okay. We just talked about this. I'm like, I know I'm going to mess it up, <laughs> yeah. but he hails from the IT space. He's an ambitious PM. He currently works as a product manager at Microsoft. He is, has not one, but two podcasts. Um, uh, Gen Z green. And I was actually just on one modern work and we talked about, um, a lot of things actually. So listen to that when it comes out, but he's in all things IT space. He was super involved in his school organizations, jumping in with two podcasts like that. That's an ambitious situation, just getting out of college. So I'm super curious to hear about that venture and everything you've been involved. But as looking through your bio, it it seems like you're deeply passionate about diversity and inclusion, which if you know TNT, we are here to highlight all those conversations. So I'm excited to talk about diversity and inclusion, particularly in the tech space. It's not a space I know a lot about. I know there's not a ton of female representation, Um, but why don't you give us a little bit about your background, young Christopher, and kind of how we got where we are today? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, okay, so there's there's a lot there. So uh, <laughs> <Cliff Nover's laughs> where do I start? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, I uh, uh, did, I was actually very up and down in school, like in high school, middle school, elementary school. Um, I was, I was very uh, academically talented, but I was not very disciplined. Hmm. And um uh, I think like you, like if you discussed on my last podcast, I, I had, uh, a lot of problems with authority, especially unchecked authority, right? It's like, 
okay, I'll do what you say, but I need to understand why. <laughs> yeah. And um, I didn't, I didn't know it when I was a kid at the time, but now I know that adults actually uh, don't know everything. And so it, it actually was somewhat of a good skill to have, to be able to question things and, and, um, uh, uh, and to try to figure out what's going on. So I got a scholarship to go to college actually to get my, to get a, a PhD. It was a PhD program that started in undergrad. Wow. Um, and I learned, I started doing research my freshman year. We were doing robotics research. Uh, we used the original Microsoft HoloLens to do things with, um, uh, with, with, uh, human computer interaction. Uh, we were trying to help visually impaired people navigate grocery stores. If you imagine someone who's blind, um, they have to, you know, have someone help them find the item. So we had this, uh, uh, glove that, um, had, uh, vibrating sensors on it. And so if, uh, and then the, the HoloLens has cameras on it that would, um, scan the aisle and the glove would say, move your hand to the right, move your hand wow. to the left. So if you're trying to get the, you know, I don't know, Captain Crunch or whatever, <laughs> Captain Crunch is to the right, right, right. And, um, and that was a lot of fun. It was, it was definitely, I did more of the development side of, of research and development, um, even when I was in research. And, uh, so what I did was I actually made the handpiece wireless and, so it could uh, communicate with the HoloLens headset. Um, and yeah, I, I learned very quickly that I didn't want to publish papers and, <laughs> and do a PhD and that kind of a thing. I certainly didn't have the, uh, the patience for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did, a, I did a ton of other stuff in college uh, before going to Microsoft. I'd say one of, one of my favorite uh, 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 things that I did was I started Dev PSU. Well, I started Dev PSU with a team of of uh, uh, a bunch of other great people, um, and uh, that was a, that is a program where students can actually gain real world uh, experience. So we started with Dev PSU Learning. Um, well, let me back up. So in technology <laughs> and in computer science. The the uh, the education is very 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 um, theoretical. At least at Penn State, different schools, you know, do things slightly differently. But at Penn State, it's very theoretical. Um, I, I know kids who graduated and don't even really know how to code. Um, they graduate with a degree in computer science. Um, and uh, so I started this program because I was like, well, you know, these classes are a lot of these classes are, are frankly a waste of my time. Yeah. In my opinion. So I started this program, uh, this Dev PSU Learning and then Dev PSU Startup. And um, we went out and we, uh, you know, sourced leads. And and um, uh, I remember when we got our very first paid customer, it was just like, I mean, a huge signal switch because yeah. this guy was giving us $5,000, which was a lot of money for me at the time. Yeah. Uh, to uh, build this um, uh, this app for him, and I was also scared out of my mind. Like, <laughs> can I actually do this? Yeah. Um, but we did, and and you know, it's we, we the, the Dev PSU program is certainly a learning experience. So we make it clear to everyone that that um, that uh, uh, hires these students that they're you know they're really investing in the students more so than they are trying to get 
something out of them, like a product or, or some kind of artifact out of them. Right. So yeah, that's what I did in college. And that uh, dev PSU, I, I, I built some apps. Um, I think that, uh, that impressed Microsoft and all of those things, the research dev PSU, all of that, I think helped me get to, uh, to Microsoft. That's great. Well, so I, I like what you just said. It's kind of, you're more investing in the human than you are necessarily the product that's going to be coming at you. And in our conversation, we talked a little, a lot about creating the opportunity in that space, particularly for people that don't look like you, but I think, um, generations above us, I think I'm a generation fully above you, but, um, I think we are more open-minded because we had to kind of, you know, blaze some trail to that opportunity and create an opportunity to invest in the human, invest in the kiddo and knowing that, you know, this might not be perfect, but you have to have a step one. And every entrepreneur knows you've, you get that first account. You can't believe someone's paying you to do what you're doing. And then you're like, oh crap. I actually need to do this, but do it well and make it like a professional thing. But you just have to start no matter how tough that is. Like that first conversation, that first transaction, that first deal is so huge. And then it's, it's, it's up from there and you can never really come in fully prepared and think it's going to be your best work ever. Cause it's just not, and you just have to do that. So I'm excited to hear that people are it's happening and people are open-minded and conscious about like, all right, we're giving the kiddo a chance and we're going to, you know, stand by this. And it's, it's so much more than just the product that we're going to, that we're paying for and we're going to receive. Um, so being, were you like a science and tech kid as a young human? Like when did this passion really start? It sounds like it was always within. Um, well, yeah, my, my mom, uh, says that, that I I've always been an engineer. Like I would take apart my toys and try to put them back together um, when I was, when I was very little, I was also always a, a little bit mischievous, but I was, I, I always, and still do want to abide by the rules. Um, uh, both of my parents are in the legal profession. Okay. And so certainly abiding by the law is a must. And, um, uh, uh, and they also wanted me to, uh, wanted to make sure that, that I represented, um, uh, you know, the black population. Well, sure. um, and I'm, I'm certainly not as, as professional as my parents. They, they are both, um, uh, you know, they were both English majors in college, that kind of a thing. Um, uh, so yeah, I went down the engineering route. Um, I, I mean, I did all kinds of different things when I was a kid. Um, gosh, what's, what's, what's like the best, uh, story. I mean, in high school, <laughs> I was a huge snowboarder, um, not competitively, but I, but I loved snowboarding sure. and, uh, uh, I built a, a snowmaker actually. So I made snow in my backyard. Um, and, uh, uh, you can buy snowmakers online, but they're really expensive. <laughs> well, I mean, and especially, <laughs> They especially were expensive for me when I was in high school. So, um, yeah, I built my own and I think that was, um, that helped me actually get into, uh, the scholar, the research program at, uh, uh, at Penn state. Okay. Um, I, I even started to like automate it and all that stuff. I ran out of money and time because actually by the time, uh, uh, I had saved up enough money to buy more equipment. I was actually starting to go to college. Um, but yeah, I, I, that was a really cool thing that I did. That's I, I love seeing young passion kind of align with like what your soul is. And so it's cool to see like engineer uh, meet snowboarding. And then now you have a homemade like snow maker situation, which I think every 
ski area right now could use that. So you might ha- you might keep that in the back pocket as you know global warming <laughs> and everything else seems to happen. Although water is going to be expensive, it already is. So that's yeah. We can work on that too. Um, I love that you just said you were you, the authoritarian thing wasn't really your vibe, which I identify strongly there. But then on the flip side, you love to follow rules. Were you kind of one that like didn't want to? You didn't. You weren't there to be like chaotic and break rules, but you were very much like a leader of your own path. Yeah, no, I I didn't love to follow rules. It's always been very hard for me to follow rules, especially gotcha. like I said, if I thought it was a rule that, <laughs> you know. Made no sense, uh, especially in my case. Like for instance, I I wanted to um, uh, I wanted to drive before I turned sixteen. Um, I'm a very I'm a very good driver. I knew I was going to be a responsible driver. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't um, you know the type of kid who was uh, drinking or or you know anything like that. I was very fortunate that that um, you know my parents kept me away from that kind of stuff. And also, I think being very techy and nerdy. I was just in my room a lot of the time. So, yeah. um, so yeah, I, I was like, I, I, by like 14, I was like, I know I can drive a car, you know, I'm, I'm big enough. Like I can reach the pedals. I, you know, I know how to drive a car. It's, it's two more years. This is going to change very much about that. And, um, uh, but, but I couldn't. So, um, yeah. So you didn't, you never took out the car before you were 16. um not no not not uh not unsanctioned let's just say that (laughs) (laughs) this this sounds like a a legal conversation well i'll fully admit uh at 41 i definitely like you it's funny i think we have some we must have known each other in a different life or some sort of maybe we have the same astrological sign or something but i took (laughs) i was just like you i'm like i could definitely drive a car right now and i think i was 15 and this is how long ago it was i picked up my friend the audacity that i had i took my parents car picked up my friend and they recognized that the car was gone. And this is back in the day when car phones were like in the car. So they called the car phone and I answered it like an idiot. And like, oh, like where a physical are phone. The physical oh. phone. Do you remember that? Where it was like in like the um I don't remember it, but I've seen it in movies. You probably weren't even born yet. This, it was a very long time ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was less than 16. So answered it and they're like, What what the hell? Where are you? And I was like, Oh, don't worry, I know how to drive. I'm good. I'm going picking up Kim going to Starbucks. And they're like, Who the F are who does this? Like, get home. And I still I had the audacity to grab my friend. We still went to Starbucks. And then I was like, Well, if I'm gonna get in trouble, I might as well like go get our frappuccino or whatever and dropped her off home. It was fine. But it there was no, like I rationalized in my mind. I'm like, I, I can literally do this. Like there's no need for a license. Like there's no complication on the skill set. So I identify completely with what you're saying. And yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, I, I was, I was just like that. I just didn't have the the courage to, to, to actually do it. Right. Cause <laughs> that ran through my head was, and, you know, I think going to the diversity inclusion conversation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if I get pulled over without a license, yes. Um, like who knows what could happen. Right. And, uh, uh, so the, you know, the consequences of that could, could, um, could vary for anyone, but I was, I was especially, um, aware of that, uh, uh, because of my race. Yeah. Yeah. And understandably. So Dude, so yeah. as you were doing some of these like tech things and not driving illegally as I was, <laughs> um, did you see a lot of people that looked like you in some of these like school organizations, or I don't know if you did like science or engineer club or anything like that? No, no, no. I met, I met, uh, uh, Michael Burville at Microsoft. He's, um, he's at M12 
and uh, extremely uh, M12 is Microsoft's investment fund. Okay. So for him to be there, I, I mean, he's like, he's my, he's like 23 for him to be there at 23 is, is insane. Wow. And he's uh he's Ghanaian American. So he, he's African American and um, brilliant guy. Um, and, and people like him are, are far and few between, um, you know, I, I had the, the fortune of learning to code when I was like, uh, I, I asked my mom to get me a C++ book when I was 10 <laughs> and uh, I got all the way up to, for those who know, you know, programming, I got all the way up to pointers and uh, I could not get past those. And um, I wanted to learn C++ because uh, uh, it was like the hardest language to learn, right? Like wow. Python's a lot easier to learn. Um, uh, and everyone says, start with that, but I was like, I'm going to learn, uh, C++. It's like the most, I guess, legitimate programming language. Th that's how I perceived it. Sure. And, uh, uh, I, I, I forget why I forget now the question you asked, but I can continue with this story if you want. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I was just saying, did, were you, did you, were you the only person that looked like you in all of these different, um, oh, IT yes. situations, so, you know, from college all yes. the way to your professional conversation? Yes. So, so I did, so I learned to code all by myself, you know, all of that. Like I, I, um, asked my mom to, to help me learn to code. I went to this, uh, coding camp in the summer. Um, uh, I don't think there were any people of color there. Um, I mean, I think there was, there were a couple maybe, uh, Hispanic kids. Um, and in high school, none of the, the, none of the black students certainly were, were in interested in uh uh coding there's one kid Jarrett, i uh i remember and, and um, i haven't talked to him in a long time but but uh he uh, uh he's black and um uh, i met him my i think i met him my senior year and um i was like oh my gosh there's a black kid here <laughs> who's good at science yeah wow and this is, I mean, not that long ago. You graduated college in 2020, correct? Yes. Well, this yeah. was in high school. So yeah, this was about so, maybe six years ago. Yeah. So that's not that long ago. I mean, these no. these are when, like when you say this, I feel like, oh my God, yeah, this was like 20 years ago when I was in high school. But yeah. this really wasn't that long ago, which breaks mm. your heart even further that yeah. it's it's not that I know there's intentional programs now to diversify coding and I know at least to get women into STEM and STEM schools and organizations and just kind of like foster some of that interest. Is that something you're passionate about now that you've been in? It's provided so much for your world, like giving back or starting programs or really working on diversity and inclusion within IT and coding? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I uh, give donations to my scholarship program. So my, my scholarship program is uh, from college is a program for uh, uh, for diverse people. So oh, cool. we have, uh, and it's a STEM program for diverse uh, uh, people. So we've got white men, white women, black men, black women, Hispanic men, Hispanic women, you know, it's just, it's, it's a melting pot of, uh, of students. And so I try to give back to them. Um, I'm trying to hire, uh, yeah. uh, I'm actually starting a company. So I'm trying to hire diverse students and help them get better at, uh, at programming and, and, uh, all of that kind of stuff and really be a, um, really be the mentor that I never had. Mm -hmm. Um, I still, to this day do not have, cannot find a, um, a mentor of color 
with, uh, uh, with the experience I have, uh, or with more experience than I have. Um, now to be, to be fair, I haven't been like looking really hard for one. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it certainly hasn't been, uh, easy to find one. <laughs> wow. And again, that says a lot in 2022 that, you know, we think we've gone a long way and obviously it's very conscious conversation. We have a long way to go, but that's, that's kind of crazy. The IT space is vast. So, I mean, maybe you are the, one of the original trailblazers to really, um, you know, light that fire and, and stand on that podium. Yeah. I, I mean, and, um, it, it's not something that I, that I ever really wanted to do. I actually wanted to stay away from diversity inclusion. You know, I didn't want to be that guy who's, who's like, Oh, give me, you know, give me money or give me success because of my race. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I despised people, frankly, who said things like that. But, um, uh, I, like you said, I realized that, uh, I, I kind of have to be because there's not many other people who can do it yeah. right now. Yeah. So. I think it's, it's a little bit weird. I've seen, we've had this come on tour Gentile a lot where people don't necessarily want to be like the poster man or woman or child or whatever for something. Cause that's not why they're getting into it. And mm-hmm. I think I say universe, God, Madonna, whatever you believe, I'm a huge Madonna fan. Uh, it kind of sets you up for a path without your conscious choice. And if you know, you're kind of this rebel engineer from the get-go, it like might've been more in the cards than you thought. I, we talked about title nine on our podcast and I wouldn't have been able to play at the level I did or at the school I did without title nine. And that was because I was a woman. So we, we actually caught back in the day, we caught a lot of flack for being, you know, a title nine sport. And it was dumb that we canceled out men's and we, we actually heard a lot of stuff about it. And I didn't like that. Like you, I didn't like the idea. Like we're just here because we're women when we actually were one of the top teams at the school and so many other things. But over time I was okay with it because if someone doesn't take that space up, it will never be provided. And, and regardless as a branding professional of how it's labeled, who gives a crap? Like you can label it or because of, or whatever, at the end of the day, you're standing in that space and you are now the influencer and the leader of the next generation. So I, I completely identify with what you're saying. Um, and again, standing in white privileged female space, but it's, it's this conscious mindset shift of yes. And we're here now and the opportunity has been created. Let's make it what we want, regardless of what everybody else has to say. Does that resonate at all? Absolutely. I mean, one of the people who's inspired me the most is Arlen Hamilton, because like I said, I, I, you know, I, for a long time agreed with people who, uh, uh, said that you, you know, you shouldn't be, um, you know, trying to, uh, uh, hire people just because they're black or, or whatever. Um, but it's like Arlen Hamilton, for those who don't know, she's like, I think she's one of the most famous um, uh, black venture capital investors. And she's still, I mean, relatively speaking, she's yeah. still a very small time investor relative to all the money that's out there. Um, she just, she just, she's putting the world on her shoulder. She just yeah. roasted uh, uh, Bain Capital as this this new crypto fund it's a 560 million dollar fund and and uh uh they put a photo on international women's day of their seven gps and all of them are men and they look very homogenous um okay. just say that yeah and she called them out and said hey you know how did all of the lps all of the invest the the investors who invested in this massive fund not say 
hey, we need a woman here. We need a person of color in here. How did the the uh, the managers of the funds themselves not say it? Um, all the people who diligenced diligenced that process, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so it, it's just things like those that things like that that made me realize that that uh, uh, like you said, if you I have to speak up and and talk about it, otherwise um, I'm I'm uh, things aren't going to get better. Yeah. You got to take that step in the right direction. And some people just don't want to. And I actually, I really do respect that. And I always like to clarify, you know, when people are intentionally like hiring for diversity and inclusion, that doesn't, even if they're looking to hire a person of color or a female, that doesn't mean that human's not qualified. I think people always think, oh, well, I did, you know, they're just hiring this person because they're X, Y, and Z and they check these boxes. It's like, well, yes. And they're still qualified applicants. We were one of the best teams at our school. It doesn't mean, and we were, they were, you know, they got rid of teams that weren't really that good from the get-go male team. So it's, it's not, that they're not qualified. It's that they are qualified and they check a certain box. So I think there's always miscommunication there. And I know we know that it kind of goes without saying, but people are like, oh, it's just because this. And it's like, well, that and that they are already qualified to be there. So yeah. <laughs> and really, I I mean, I I've I've looked at the data on this and really affirmative action, right? Like I was, I was. I don't, I don't want to say, I've been saying I despise it. Opposed to, those are strong words. I didn't necessarily despise it, but I wasn't sure about it. And, um, uh, but when you, when you look at the, the data and the research, right, there's tons of research that shows if you take, you know, if you take the name off of a resume, um, uh, uh, black applicants get hired more. If you take, if you don't know that they're black. Okay. Okay. If you put their, their name back on the resume, um, it's some kind of, you know, African, uh, uh, uh name, uh, then, uh, they're less likely to be hired. Um, even when the people hiring say and believe fully believe that they're, they're not racially motivated, that their hiring decision was not racially motivated. Mm-hmm. So them saying that it's not racially motivated doesn't make it true. Right. Right. And um, uh, and so there's also this argument that like, um, uh, well, you know, if if I'm more talented than the diversity hire, why should why should they get hired over me? And uh, I think it's a very, very difficult conversation to have. But the reality is that um, people of color and I mean, you can say that this is not true all you want, not you, but (laughs) people can say this is not true all they want. But the truth is that black people have been marginalized in this country to this day, right? It's not just slavery, right? My grandmother, my grandmother had to go through segregation. The only reason my dad was able to go to school was because of an athletic scholarship. And that's the only reason. And, yeah. and he ended up going to Harvard Law School and graduating from there. And he's, he's had a very successful uh, uh, career. But the only reason he got to go to college is because he was good at basketball, right? I mean, that if that's not racially motivated, I don't know what is, right? Sure. So um, 
yeah, I, I could go on and on about this stuff, but yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's good. I like, I thank you for sharing that personal text. I feel like that always hits listeners. It hits home even more. The thing with affirmative action and even title nine, we have to know that these are flawed systems. Like these are things we are, that are late to the game. They're, I think the intentions are always good. Yeah, it's not perfect. Yeah. And it's not, and these are things that happened a long time ago. We've learned so much, even from that point to right now, and we've got so much space to go, but these are flawed systems. So I wouldn't argue that, you know, is an applicant completely equal to, you know, their white male counterpart, you know, that's had privilege and opportunity their entire life. Well, maybe not, but you can't disrupt the cycle if you don't change the play of the game. Like you have to make that conscious step to change the cycle of what it is. Like they don't, exactly. there, there was a great conversation. Obviously the NFL is under some pressure right now because there's such minimal diversity amongst the head coaches. And they said 10% of the coaches have are related to another coach, meaning most of their sons that had grown up on the sidelines, white men are now coaches, 10%. That's a lot. So the nepotism, which obviously clearly runs in our government, if you remember from our president and his entire family, there's, there's these chains that are happening and it's it's beyond privilege. I mean, you literally are handshake away from a very formal position. And I get it. I'm here for strategic partnerships and whatnot with a major asterisk that are we consciously doing this? And are we thinking about the ripple effect from for 20, 30, 40, 50 generations from now, years down the road of what's going to happen? So now that we're starting to see it and people are really starting to understand, yes, we do have some flawed system in place and we still have to implement something. Like there has to be some maneuver to change something. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's exactly, and that's, I mean, that gets into like entrepreneurship, right? Like how many people, how, how much of the time have any number of excuses about why they, they, uh, uh, they can't start a company. And a, a lot of them are very valid, right? They're very, very valid, uh, excuses and reasons. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, like it, you just have to, you have to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you have to do something and you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to be, uh, uh, you're not going to do it perfectly. Nobody's going to do anything perfectly. You can do it better or, or you know, you can do a, a good or a bad job. Right. Um, and, and so I think there is a good and a bad way of doing, for instance, affirmative action. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be perfect by any right. means. We just got to keep learning and, and have that conscious conversation. But I'm excited that we have humans like you that are in the entrepreneurial space that can consciously walk that line um, of doing things the right way, the best you can with the best intentions. I think that's as good as we can really get nowadays. But tell yeah. us, tell us about your businesses. And I want you to share about both podcasts. Like, let, let's hear about the biz side. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, I have a podcast called Modern Work by Salatus. I'm starting a company called Salatus Inc., uh, you can, uh, check it out. Well, when is this podcast going live? <laughs> Probably next Wednesday. Do you, will you have it oh, up Okay. <laughs> so you can go to the beta. It's beta.salatus.com. Um, uh, we're doing performance management software to help early in career talent and diverse talent, um, uh, be able to grow in their careers and be more comfortable with their careers. Um, and we're also doing, uh, a lot of, um, polling. So we're working with, universities and, uh, and companies and chief diversity officers, uh, to, um, help facilitate interactions between them and their employees. So you imagine a company like, you know, Amazon has a million employees. If you count all of their retail workers and whatnot. Um, and it, you know, the, the current strategy is that 
uh, we need a, we need more mentors and we need more, um, uh, uh, we need more humans basically, um, lifting up diverse people. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is that's, that's going to take a long time because there aren't enough diverse people in positions of power to help lift, lift other diverse people up. And unfortunately, um, uh, and, and so, um, uh, that's what we aim to address is how can we use technology to help people that don't have access to a really good mentor or, or you know, those rare, hard to find humans. Yeah. Well, so know? tell me a little bit about like the pro, is it like you have this group of mentors and then you're and then the mentees come to you and is it like the software, is that where they connect? Or is it the software that actually help, helps them implement like their systems and practices for their business? Or am I not close on either side? <laughs> no, so there's 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 no mentorship involved at all. Um, I think there are a ton of companies doing uh, uh, mentorship and and mentor matching stuff, and and there have been companies try, doing that for a very long time, and and um, you know some of them are more or less successful. What what we're really trying to do is again is help people uh, uh, keep moving forward, right? I think, gotcha. and, and it's something that's really hard to explain to someone who maybe, uh, who maybe hasn't experienced it personally, but mm-hmm. I think people of color tend to be afraid and they tend to, um, you know, they tend to devalue themselves. And, uh, uh, you know, there's the famous, um, uh, my mom loves this one. It's um, what's, the, what's the, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting the name. Uh-oh, mom's there was, mad. <laughs> <laughs> there was Plessy v. Ferguson, which said, you know, segregation was legal. What's the one after that? Brown v. Uh, was it Brown v. Board of Education? Um, where they, they took, uh, they took a black doll and a white doll. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes. This actually came up on a, a, a cast. I mean, we're on this week, 134. So this was many <laughs> podcast moons ago. Um, I know what you're talking about. And I can include this in the notes when we actually post Yeah. It. Yeah. But so, so the, there's a study where they, you know, they showed children who, you know, they're very innocent, um, a, a black doll and a white doll and, uh, uh the black children would, still choose the white doll say the white doll is is good and they would say the black doll is bad so they choose the white doll over the black doll um children right yeah and uh so from childhood uh these kids um have a lower sense of self-worth of self-worth and um uh that leads to a number of issues with mental health, physical health as they get older and older. Um, you know, uh, uh, I always like to tell this story. I went to, uh, when I go to the doctor, um, there's, there's a ton of statistics and stuff about how African-Americans are, are, you know, more likely, for instance, with COVID African-Americans are more likely to struggle with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when I go to the doctor, they say, Oh, you don't have to worry about that because, you know, you're not the typical African-American, mm. right? And, and they don't mean that I'm not the typical African-American in terms of my, you know, DNA. They mean that in terms of the, the access to resources that I have. Okay. Wow. And so the, the, the vast majority of, of African-Americans 
don't have access to resources. They don't know how to do uh, what they need to do to be be successful. Um, and uh, uh, so that's really what we're what we're aiming to solve. And we're very early. So I, I, I don't like to talk about um, solutions. I think everyone wants to hear solutions. Um, but I'm uh, uh, the solution will will make itself um, apparent. We're working very hard on a ton of different um, technology to help people uh, be successful. That's amazing. Well, I think it's and I'm still working on myself and my and my uh, my pitch too. Well, good for you. And I think it's a moving target because society is evolving. Thank goodness. Again, slow, but in the right direction, hopefully. Uh, And, you know, the things are moving just like affirmative action or Title IX. Like these are kind of archaic conversations at this point, but it was a step one. And now as society's changed, opportunities change, schooling's changed, we have more women graduating college. And like, you know, there's so many variables within that. I actually think it's to your advantage to not have this hard set idea of what even a solution looks like because so much is changing so fast. Yeah, and, I, tr- I tried. I tried to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's the only way to go. I mean, for a multitude of businesses, not only for something like this, it's socially conscious and aware. Um, but for most things, like things are changing. I mean, no one could have predicted 2020 and, and the pandemic. Like, you got to be ready to move. You can have an idea of your plans and your goals and your mission, and you need to be ready to be flexible and keeping your finger on the pulse of what's next because it's evolving so quickly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and. And um, that's one of the reasons I realized I have to I have to leave Microsoft to pursue this because I just I mean there's just so much yeah. to be done and um, I just I don't have the time to do it so um, uh, I, I literally spent a couple hours yesterday talking to um, uh, an amazing talented uh, uh, Hispanic kid his name is Alex Reyes who's starting a crypto company okay and um, it, it, I mean. It's just super energetic, awesome, optimistic, you know, great guy. And uh, uh, he just created this like this little crypto wallet that lets you um, uh, actually trade crypto with your friends. So if you don't have, let's say, you know, a token cost, you know, Bitcoin's really expensive. It's like $30,000 for a single token. Yeah. Um, so you can maybe not $30,000, but you can pool together some money with your friends uh, and invest in crypto. And his app is important because um, uh, the way these systems work, at least this, this is this is how I understand it, is that um, uh, the crypto uh, wallet is basically just a bunch of letters and numbers, right? It's just it's just a random, it's just a random. It's basically just a password, right? Yeah. And so today, really, the only way to um, pool together crypto, uh, uh, funds is to share your password with other people, which we know that that's not a secure way of, of, uh, uh, doing anything on a computer. Yeah. (laughs) Never want to share your password. So he's building this app to, um, so that, so that you don't have to share your password to, um, uh, to trade crypto with friends, which is, I think, super cool. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time. Our young humans, like even if my generation doesn't have it right, which we don't, but we're getting there. When the generation above us, uh, probably not. But the ones coming up, like I have faith in you guys. Like I, there's so much happening. You guys were exposed to so much more. And then the kiddos that were, you know, younger than you that are getting out of high school now, getting out of college, like they're to even think that you're talking about crypto and trading and finances that young blows my mind. Like that's, you're so ahead of the game. And that wasn't, I mean, I was like kind of like the jock. I cared about school and we read books, but it was very much sports related. So like the math and finance navigation was a different situation for a later day. But to know that our young people are ahead of this and not only thinking about money and finances and what they're going to do, but how to profit off it, how to be, be a young entrepreneur, be, um, you know, an influencer or a leader in their own space. That's why I'm so passionate about marketing and branding, because I see how these influencers or leadership roles, how impacting they are to such young people and how truly influential that is. So I, I lean on the optimistic side that I'm excited when I hear stories like that, that, you know, these deeper conversations around, you know, financial security and generational wealth are happening at a really, really young age. It's, it's pretty exciting. We need anything optimistic nowadays. Yes. And I mean, you know, I, I think Elon Musk gets a lot of flack for, for, um, uh, you know, for SpaceX and for, you know, the people, there's a narrative that, you know, he's, he's sending rockets to space while, you know, terrible things are happening on the ground here. And the reality is that, that people like him are, uh, and, and like me, quite frankly, are uh, would not be very effective in you know politics or a war or anything like that. Like we're just we're yeah. just we're just not good at those kinds of things. So so um, it's it's not necessarily that that uh, uh, that that um, I, I think a lot of young people think that um, that people don't care. It's just that, and and I think a lot of younger people, and I'm guilty of this too, they blame older generations, but the reality is that older generations, like we said earlier, they don't, you know, they don't exactly know what to do either. Right. Right. Um, you know, you have a ton of experience, uh, if you're older and, and, um, uh, you know, I think older people are good at a lot of things. Um, but another thing that's, I think, I think changed, uh, the dynamic for, for kids is the internet. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't know if you have kids, but I do not I have three I, dogs. <laughs> oh, you have three dogs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, kids nowadays, if their parents try to tell them something like my mom used to tell me, uh, uh, if you turn the light on in the car at night, that's illegal and, and we'll get pulled over. Um, <laughs> and when I got older, I realized that she just was annoyed by me flicking the light on and off, <laughs> but kids now they would just Google it and be like, no, you lied, yeah. mom. <laughs> so, I know that might be one of the reasons I don't have kids actually. Like, no, there were, I, I had three younger brothers. So I was 13 when my youngest one was born. So I remember I, we got like some familiar, familial experience in, but yes, you can, there's like a check checkpoint of like, actually, I just checked it and you're not telling the truth. So exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to forgive your parents. They're learning too and, and what they're doing. Um, yeah. We got about five minutes. Is there anything else you want to share about the company, um, the podcast that you want this audience to know and check you out? Well, look, I, um, uh, uh, not really. I mean, you, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Christopher Pratt. My LinkedIn is Pratt CMP. Um, I have the same exact name first middle and last is the actor um so christopher michael pratt yeah i know (laughs) um i'll I'll show you my id if you need proof (laughs) i believe you (laughs) um uh 
Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. I'm getting better at Twitter. I just started with it. Chris Pratt 98. Um, you can find me on Twitter there. Um, uh, and you can always shoot me an email, Chris at Salatus.com. If, if, uh, you know, any diverse people, um, uh, in tech or in business, uh, that need jobs or, or need to connect and network, um, uh, in the technology space, or even in the uh, uh, the legal space, if you're interested in law school, um, uh, uh, my mom works at a law school. And she would love to help you um, uh, get into the legal profession in law school. And I, I basically just want to, at this stage, help as many people as I can with as many things as I can, and see where that takes me. Good for you. Leading with service and it's a family affair. Mom and dad are, are doing Absolutely. a few things right here. I like it. Um, well, I appreciate this. Dude, I'm excited to see what you do next. Like we are on the horizon of so many changes in this world and there is some really tough things going on and there's yeah. some extraordinary opportunity and some space to be taken up. So I'm pumped to see what you do over the next, even six months, but like year, two year, five year and, and see where you rock and roll and some of the doors you break down. Cause I think there is um, some greatness in front of you. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for um, listening to me blab and, and uh, hearing me out. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out Chris on his platforms. You know, we'll have all the links posted. Diversity and inclusion. If you are interested or fall in line of your passion, your mission or anything, look him up and, and connect. I love that you gave out the email. He is accessible. Um, and let's make this world a better place. One good decision at a time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.